From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, June 25th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And here with me in our Orlando studios, he showed up today on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Joining us in Gatorland, Florida, Eddie Big Cat Koffeltz. Chandler, welcome back. We missed you. <laughs> and all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, author, speaker, podcaster, cowgirl extraordinaire, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. The whole family's back. I'm very excited. Look at this. Look at uh, this. We, we have a great show in store for you today, but I got to warn you, listeners, that three out of four of us are not quite on our A game That's this right. morning. Luckily, AFD is coming in in our A game. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, well, should we just go around the horn? I, I'm going to be honest. I hung out with some of my dad buddies last night. And uh, it was a, it was like a fun, it was like fun. So here I am. <laughs> <laughs> you made I, it in. Uh, yeah. I uh, I decided to Sabbath hard uh, Sunday afternoon, and went out and floated in the pool. Quite a lovely day, not a cloud in the sky. And then three hours later, woke up in pain. And uh, I, you know what? You wake up the next morning, you feel a little nauseous, like kind of sun poisoning. I've heard about yeah. this. I've never yeah. experienced it before. So, like, are you burn burned? Like, is your body very red? I mean, I'm Florida burned in the sense that, like, I, I'm outside every weekend, so I'm not like, right. you know, vulnerable to that. Yeah. Which is why it's so odd. Like, I'm in, I'm in pain. Like, I walked into the office this morning, dragging, and everybody's like, "Ooh, you got sun." You know, so it's that kind of a burn. Oh, yeah, it's sure, like sure, sure. I don't know if you guys remember this is a very obscure reference, but listen, I got a case of the Mondays too. But the episode <laughs> of Perfect Strangers where Larry and Balky prepare for their high school reunion by going tanning because they want to look really good and they both fall asleep in separate tanning beds. I do remember this. <laughs> and people, like, they're walking in, they're walking in like, you know, stiff arms like mannequins because every time the fabric touches their skin it hurts. But the running gag is everyone runs up to them and gives them big hugs and slaps them on the back because they haven't seen them in years. It's a perfect gag. My my ailment, and Cameron we, and I discussed this with old sitcom tropes, is like, I, I tend to, uh, from time to time, get these really bad migraine headaches, and it makes me foggy and not be able to speak super clearly. And this one has lasted for days. The fog is starting to clear. But Cameron and I were having a discussion on Friday where it's basically like one of those episodes of Gilligan's Island or really any sitcom <laughs> from 1975 to write up about 1995. Had at least one episode where a character gets hit on the head with a coconut or like a monkey wrench or some or like a frying pan. Yeah. Right. Forgets who they are, or they speak with a British accent for the entirety of the episode until they're struck on the head again at the end of the again, episode yeah. and things return to normal. Right. I am I am the person who hasn't been hit on the head with a coconut for the second time. That's what you're dealing with. That's what's happening right now. We recorded uh, Relevant Daily on Friday afternoon, and this is, you know, maybe two hours after he was kind of coming back to life a little bit. And it's a 10 minute podcast, yeah, you know, yeah. quickie, you know, just in and out. Here's what's happening today. 
And I think it took 35 minutes to record. You know, <laughs> no. so I guess Jesse. I, dude, I'm telling you, I can't like I can't speak straight when 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 I'm in the throes of it, but I'm fine now. Was it a migraine? Yes. Yes, yeah. it was. Oh, it was Jesse. horrible. But hey, we're out of the woods. It is Monday. You know, <laughs> I am not sunburned, at least like it could be worse. I could <laughs> be could sunburned be and I could and have I didn't hung hang out. out with a bunch of dads last yeah. night. So it could be worse. <laughs> This guys, we got we got a lot to exercise in that group. <laughs> you got a you got a lot of exercise in that group. X or size. Yeah. E X O R. <laughs> yeah. Some people say demons. They aren't demons. It's just, you know. Let's just not get into it and move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of demons, we have a great show in store for you That's today. Right. Coming up later, we are joined by horror writer and director Gary Doberman. He's the he's the guy behind it. Uh the nun, yeah, <laughs> um, the new, the new movie Annabelle comes home, which comes out this week, and he's an outspoken Christian. He's yeah. he's one of the leading horror writers and directors in Hollywood, and uh, we're going to talk to him he, about that. I'm scared of him. I'm he, so he's, scared. Of he's him. like number one right now. He, this is a crazy thing about the Conjuring franchise, which Gary Doberman has written a bunch of the movies. He's one of the the masterminds of this whole franchise. It is becoming one of the most profitable film franchises of all time. Like it's on its way. It's number two in horror right now beside behind only Godzilla because Godzilla's had like 40 movies. Guess how Eddie take a blind guess. Guess how much, how much money movies in the conjuring universe. So it's oh, like I six don't... different movies have made up to this point. Made total like a profit. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, will you just do a comparison between that and Anne of Green Gables series? Yes. Jesse, because that's the money I'd like Anna, to compare. Anne of Green Gables made a cool $57,000 during its run on Lifetime. And that's cash. I don't that's know, cash. like $100 yeah. million? Man, I never know. $1.7 billion. What? This wow. franchise, it's like, it's insane. Why do people want that? in their lives we're gonna ask him well and it it was one of the biggest movies of last year and it too is is you know coming out in in the fall and this one dude is like at the core of all of these and he's a christian annie so i believe you, know. you. my enneagram seven is just showing so hard i would never go to a movie to be scared or stressed or in pain i'm going for a coke icy and a good time well i i i like a, a few thrills here and there eddie do you do you dabble oh in, never in ever none no none I watched what was the Jordan Peele movie last us, year? Us, the one before that. Uh, get out, uh, get out. Get out. I watched yeah. Get Out, and I like I knew I had to see it because it was a cultural moment. Yeah, and I did, and I like loved it really, and really despised it, and I have not brought myself to see Us, and it is beyond what I could ever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really? I, I would. Oh, I could never. I do not watch anything scary. No. Yet I still respect our guests' ability and creative. You Same. Know, I'm excited like, to hear him because I think that's a fascinating. Totally. Thing. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. I, yeah. I just appreciate the naming of the movie. It. It's kind of like a whole who's on first thing. Like I really like <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> like what? It. it. I like it too. Like what? The, at the beginning, I, I'll confess. I'm a I'm a sucker for these types of naming conventions. The, uh, back yeah. in the earliest days when I was in college, my I had a dream to start a magazine called That That yeah. Magazine because it'd be like I really like that magazine. What magazine? I I just thought that was really funny. And uh, then uh, (laughs) close friends advised me that would be a horrible, horrible misstep. And so it became relevant. So, yeah. um, (laughs) Well, before the pod, sorry, uh, Cameron's like, remind me, Gary Doberman, Gary. I was like, he's the guy behind it. 
He's like behind what? It. There was <laughs> a whole, we had a whole bit. It, and it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, sun exactly. poisoned. He's migraine. We we talked for 35 minutes trying to figure out who was on the show today. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, so. we did, we I mean, three hours of sleeping in the pool. I'm just mostly glad you didn't drown, Cameron. Well, wouldn't that have yeah. woken me up if I'd rolled off the raft? I mean, I, I, I'm I not mean, worried about that. You can't. I can't know. I would hope so, but. It was I'm just very grateful relaxing. that you slept on water for three hours and you live to tell. It was like a waterbed. It was wonderful. It was so relaxing. <laughs> and just there was a nice breeze. It was wonderful. But now I feel like permanently dehydrated. You know, it's like that thing is like all yes. the moisture was sucked out of my body. And overnight I got like, like I don't know, like my I'm just yeah. I feel I'm, I feel I'm glad you brought up waterbeds because I've been needing <laughs> to talk about them oh, on this the podcast best. for a long time. <laughs> Have we never talked about waterbeds before? I don't think so. Because I mean, one, oh it's gosh. all that's left. My parents <laughs> had one in the left. 80s. Yeah, I remember that. It was you had one? My parents did. It was a it was a semi waveless where you had, you know, it still had the waves, but it was Steve a little tighter. Strang. Yeah. It was a semi-waveless waterbed because, you know, if you have a full waterbed and you just do like one little fidget, the whole thing's got ripples for the next hour, you know? So they had a semi-waveless waterbed. It was... What? So what makes you... I need you to keep talking. How does it... How is it semi-waveless? Does it I think it's just a little tighter of a... of a Small waves? I don't know. Yeah, it's got kind of a mattress more around it. It's a... yeah, it's I would got be some sick every him? night of my life. That, but what, that's whatever the question. Happened to him? That's yeah. the question of the hour. Why yeah. don't why, why does no one have waterbeds anymore? Like I felt like there was a time when you know waterbeds were reasonably common and very very cool. Like if you went over to somebody's house, they're like, "Hey, my parents got a waterbed." You're like, "I'm definitely going to check that thing out. I don't care if anyone's sleeping in there or not. I got to see what it, I got to know what this sensation is like." Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. But now they're just not anywhere. One of my favorite memories of my childhood is waking up in the morning to just mass panic from my father who's just scurrying around the house because apparently the waterbed had sprung a leak. And I mean, we're talking like if this thing like leaked into your house, it's going to destroy it. And so we're on the second floor and this waterbed has sprung a leak. And my dad is just like all flustered, like running around with his little getting his towels. So your parents had one as well, Eddie. Oh, yeah. They were deep into every 80s trope possible. Um, And so then he's like hooking up a hose and draining it out the window into the yard. And he's just freaking out. And I'm like, what is going on? And you could just see little little uh, sprays like flying up into the air. Oh, yeah. I I don't understand because it's not like... He like took a nap with the keys in his pocket and like you no, know, or did he? It. That's a that's a funny but idea. You, the way you're describing it is all of a sudden leaks are just springing up all right. over the mattress. Yeah. Like right. it was just yeah. the mattress's time to go. And <laughs> it's like, but their waterbed was the worst. It didn't have like a pillow top on it. It was just like a big like plastic bubble of water. And so they would put a sheet on it. I mean, it was a real waterbed, but it was just like real like a. Like a Ziploc bag just, full of water that it's, they're sleeping it's on. Exactly like a giant yeah. Ziploc bag. It's exactly that. And over time, it's just sprung a little a little sprout, and my dad was freaking out, and it was amazing. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah, I've never I've never lived in a house with a waterbed in my whole life. Oh, yeah. Well, I would never get one because Brienne is, you know, 5'1 and weighs half of me. I would jump into that thing, and it would be like that thing you do at Summer Camp Lake. Yeah, where, the blob. You know, it's the, just blob. Like, the blob. It would be the blob yeah. experience. She's for just me. flying out of bed. Uh, I'm looking. Uh, they are, waterbeds are readily available. Uh, How much are we talking here? We're talking 100 bucks to 200 bucks. 
Whoa, what? That's, that's it? Well, for, <laughs> that cannot ooh. be right. That $100? Cannot be right. <laughs> like on Craigslist? Like where are you finding a $100 water? For what size? Water? Are you getting a twin? What is what Wa- is a $100 Walmart, water? Bed? Walmart.com sells oh, no. a sleep sink fiber 45 queen size waveless waterbed mattress <laughs> for 219 free delivery. <laughs> I think you need to get one to the office immediately just for fun. I think we need at some point to do another podcast contest and for some reason have the prize be a waterbed. (laughs) I just want this podcast to be responsible for someone owning a waterbed. I am seeing, I mean, there's another one for 300, but I am seeing them up to, you know, $1,500 with, with like, you know, the whole, um, yeah, headboard and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. yeah, well, the, the the winner of our podcast contest will get the bare minimum, one that will need to be filled with a wa- garden hose and just lie on the floor like a big just like it's just a trash bag filled with water. That's essentially you, what we want to give away. But uh, you got to really question a lot that's happening in your life. If you get on Walmart dot com and order <laughs> online a two hundred dollar water bed like you are just a study in paradise. Listen, I don't want any of you to make fun of me when I ask this question because no. I've Everyone never lived with a waterbed. Okay. Yeah. Around the horn won't make fun of me, Cameron. Deal. I try my best. I'm when you get a waterbed delivered to your house. <laughs> you, it's it's just okay. a it's just a plastic Does bag. Does it already have water in no. it? No. No. You hook Great a question. hose up to it. You hook a hose up to it. Okay. Those okay. things probably hold what, a hundred gallons? I mean that's an eight hundred pound bed. Right. This is I just didn't know. So yeah. that's why I was asking. Pounds, eight point eight yeah. pounds. Per there are gallon. no dumb questions in the relevant family. So I just no. wanted to know. Now I'm looking. I'm looking at like the real ones that have like they look like regular mattresses, like pillow top stuff like that. But underneath the core is waterbed, and um, and those are in the twelve hundred range, twelve hundred to fifteen hundred. Just so you know. So, there, so there's still people buying it. I feel like if you order a $200 water bed from Walmart.com, right. you end up you instantly end up on like a weird FBI watch list. Just like <laughs> it's just a database that just says weirdos, keep an eye out on these ones. Just Not then, for me. Yeah. They'd be like, like, well, she owns two, she owns a unicorn and a Pegasus that so. blow up. She probably just wants another float for the pool. <laughs> the delivery yeah, man, definitely. the delivery man unloads the water. He like knocks on the door and he's yeah. got the Walmart, you know, hat on. He's like, hey, I got your water bed here. And he looks up and it's Chris Hansen from Dateline. And he's like, I understand you ordered a water bed from Walmart.com. The one from Walmart comes with mandatory wall decorations of samurai swords. Uh, that's that's what you have to put oh, on the wall Lovely. above the bed. <laughs> samurai swords cross like above the bed. That's oh my gosh! And and then and then a special rack for all your vape gear. Like that. Yeah. That that's the start. That's the the creep ball starter pack. Yeah, Two hundred dollar water, water bag. <laughs> a bunch of samurai swords, vape gear, and an old van. Like it's all yeah. comes together. That's yeah. Oh, a water bed in a van. That's a super gross idea. <laughs> Also, oh. just the inertia taking a big, fast right turn. I mean, that thing's turning over. You yeah, can't yeah. stop that much liquid. Your, dad, your dad's real panicked about those. Oh, he is freaking out. He is going to yeah. get in his Mercury Cougar and he is going to drive straight down to that waterbed <laughs> dealership and get a refund. <laughs> <laughs> he says he's frantically duct taping and cursing the. How could I have bought this? And did just Beth get in everywhere. here. Beth, how, bring towels. How did he? How did he fix it? What, did he duct tape it? <laughs> yeah. How do you fix that one little leak? You have to he, duct tape, right? 
he does like he did. A, I have a strangely clear memory of this, but he kind of like <laughs> pulled up on it so that the leak was isolated. He dried it. He put duct tape on it. But then you like he took a hose and ran it from you. You put the hose like in the waterbed and he like drained it out. The it was a two story house. He like yeah. drained it out the roof of the house. And uh-huh. We just, uh, I guess, fixed it or something. But it was. Yeah, did uh, he get rid of it after that? Did he drain it because uh, he had no, to get rid of it? No, 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 no. They had that waterbed for it from way like deep enough into when we would all be making fun of it. Yeah. Like it wasn't a cool eighties thing anymore. It was like, what are you guys doing to the waterbed still? Yeah. This is odd. Yeah. But he's going, this is perfect because it, unlike a mattress, it doesn't sag. I don't have to flip it. It's perfect. He's like, I've had it for twenty years, and it's just as good as day one. Why? Yeah. Why change? Yeah, why that's change? right. Why yeah. try anything mm-hmm. new? That's that's the. And then you take yeah. the sheet off and you look, and it's just got a whole bunch of like vinyl patches all over it because every oh, year it totally so, did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And fish <laughs> I think, swimming inside. I think if I had to rank, yeah, I think if I had to rank things that just would be really funny to see, I think in the top five would be uh, a, a, um, a waterbed bursting at someone's who's oh, like yeah. someone's house who has a really bad temper. Like that oh, would yeah. be <laughs> on, like right on the high end of stuff I would want to witness. Like, oh, you can't believe it! And water's just spraying everywhere. And like he puts his finger in one hole and like water like starts spraying it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like a, I, I wasn't going to get popping. into it, but I can yeah. tell you it is very funny. It was <laughs> great to watch. <laughs> it was hilarious. And then when he fills it back up, is it from the bathtub? <laughs> well, no, it's no. I mean, he filled it up. Of all the things, if I had to wake up this morning and list 5,000 things, yeah. I would have never put this on the list of things I'd talk about today. Right, right. But he, uh, it's a hose. So yeah. you run a hose, a hose from the outside source and you run it in through the window and it, it has like a hose connector on the waterbed ah. and then you turn on the hose and up we go. Okay, Eddie, oh. I'm going to ask you to, to tell me which you would rather witness, okay? <laughs> One is being at the, the angriest friend's house you have and watching their waterbed very slowly just for some reason yeah. start disintegrating in front of him, okay? Oh my gosh. Wait, wait, wait. Is, this one, is this a finger in the dam situation where as soon as you yeah. plug one, a new one yeah, springs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Another one springs a leak. Their futile efforts to keep 500 gallons from <laughs> just exploding <laughs> under the floor of their house. The mess is getting bigger and bigger, and your friend's getting more and more upset, and you're just oh, sitting yeah. there laughing. So yeah, that's yeah, option yeah. one. That's option just, two. Option go. two is the nicest Italian restaurant you can think of. Waiters in tuxedos, white tuxedos, <laughs> carrying out four piping hot plates of spaghetti and meatballs, and he trips and falls, whoa, and the spaghetti whoa, goes whoa, everywhere, whoa. all over the white tux. It's a that's almost a piping perfect. Hot. Would you rather? But I'm gonna definitely go option one because the introduction of anger into it makes it very very funny. I can't, you know what? Like Jesse, as much as we enjoy King of Queens, I'm shocked given. His uh, Kevin James's prowess at physical comedy that they didn't have a yeah. waterbed springing episode where he's trying to like keep finger in the damage. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah. That's, he would that have is such that. a great call. It, because like as when that show was like entering its prime was right when waterbeds were like exiting. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the and he comes home and he got a used one. He saw it on the side of the road. It's a great idea. <laughs> he's wanting to surprise Carrie with it. You know, we just wrote a whole episode. Uh, bring King and Man, that is back. a loss that we never got to see that. It, it, right. it is, it is like the 
the same oh, physical man. comedy as what I've brought up a thousand times and will continue to champion on this podcast. The scene in Ernest Scared Stupid where he has jury duty and he oh, bites yeah. the, the, the black ink pen and tries oh. to hide that the pen is linking and he ends up like eating the ink and it is covering every inch of him as he's sweating, wiping his face with ink. Evolving every, it's, every it's little the motion. the pinnacle of comedy. Like, that is the pinnacle the of comedy. Pinnacle just like comedy. Kevin James trying to salvage a quickly deflating waterbed like comedy doesn't get better than that this is what you know just naturally in us as humans we want to see well if gary doberman's listening to this episode we just gave him a great idea for terrifying film yeah uh, entering the comedy space um Mm -hmm. i don't know all right well let's see let's move the show along stay tuned up next it's slices You're listening to Arizona. The song is Nostalgic. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Foster the People with their brand new one, Imagination. Well, today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Creating a site with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with a click of a mouse. You can even design a best-in-class online store with Squarespace's award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin, including all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. Go to squarespace.com relevant for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code Hard to remember this one. Relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You uh, are very sarcastic when people ask you on Twitter what the codes are. It's always relevant. Well, <laughs> it's always relevant. If you go to any brand that has advertised with us, the promo code is relevant. Just FYI. So Yeah, we talked about yeah, this. Yeah, Walmart. <laughs> Walmart.com. Get a free vaping jewel with your order of your new $200 water bed oh, yeah. and a you black light Scarface poster. It's yeah. a great <laughs> deal they got going. Yeah. They're going to throw in a free waterbed patch kit with every promo code relevant podcast. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's use the offer code relevant to get your free waterbed patch kit. At <laughs> All right, it's time for Slices. All right, what do you have, Jesse? I don't know if I'm just in a goofy mood, but for some reason, if there are waterbed patch kits on the relevant store, <laughs> I just think that would be funny. <laughs> relevant <laughs> podcast branded waterbed patch kits. Vinyl, just a couple of vinyl stickers. Yeah, it's just vinyl you know, stickers. Just vinyl. <laughs> but we relevant. Have, but we have uh, uh, two inch vinyl stickers. We don't call them two inch vinyl stickers. We call them waterbed <laughs> repair kits. Yeah, there I you like go. It. There you go. Just rebrand what you've already done. Work Let's smart, see. not hard. That's Here's right. Here's the drop down. I, do I want a coffee mug? Ooh, new t shirt. Ah, here it is. Waterbed patch kit. Here we go. Relevant <laughs> podcast. <laughs> my waterbed. You can Do even it. just put like what's on there now and just retitle it. Just retitle waterbed. it. That's exactly waterbed right. Patch. Just retitle the stickers. Waterbed <laughs> patch. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. That makes me very happy. All right. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Well, um, okay. I guess what I got to do Jesse had to take a big drink of his LaCroix before he Deal dove in. in. I had to clear yeah, my throat so- here. 
Okay, so a twofer. I'm going to start with one uh, that I found interesting, and then I have one that I think you guys uh, are. It's right up your alley. <laughs> then I have one I think you guys will find yeah, interesting. If that's, not to do this, Jesse. <laughs> that's not usually how it goes when I turn a man up to you. Mine is just made up. I just made yeah. this one up. It's, it's just about <laughs> local Virginia politics. Pretty obscure laws that don't affect any of Listen, us. In this. Yeah, the health department shut down waterbeds in this state. Yeah, and the second one is a youth group listicle. But the first one, let's talk about Virginia politics. <laughs> no, the, the first one is some obscure place in the world that you can go and visit for $50 oh. a night. Remember? Yeah, it's yeah. just a travel story. A travel okay. story. okay, okay. I'm, I'm not roasting start. you. I'm here to learn. I know. Prove. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Annie. You'll find this interesting. <laughs> Actually, Lucy, Lucy said something to me. Lucy was like joking around with me yesterday. And then she looked at me out of the corner of her eye and she's like, Dad, I just roasted you. Thought, well, well, yeah. we're all grown up, aren't we? Yeah. All right, Jesse. Someone call the you. burn unit. Okay. <clears throat> um, all right. So a team of researchers recently wanted to do to develop a better understanding of how honest people were uh, across cultures and if certain factors would actually make them more honest. And so they devised this pretty complicated experiment where they created 17,000 wallets. Okay, so it, within these wallets. wallets were like business cards. There were also handwritten grocery lists in the local language of wherever they ended up planting the wallet. So it looked like, you know, an authentic wallet. There were also like things like a key, basically stuff that you would find in a wallet. Uh, some of them had cash in it. Some of the wallets did not. And what they did is they would walk into like a convenience store or a bank or kind of any one of these locations and say, hey, I'm a customer. I actually found this wallet sitting there on the, uh, you know, on the ground. Someone must have left it here. Here you go. And they would hand it into an employee. Uh, but they had a whole database of where they could track if that employee would later contact one of the names in one of the business cards in the wallet to determine if people, uh, you know, would actually return these wallets. What they found is that the wallets with cash in them in every single country, they did this in 40 countries with 17,000 wallets. In every single country, if the wallet had cash in it, it was much more likely to be returned hmm. without the cash taken. More likely hmm. with cash in it. And that's that was, you know, obviously the, the exact opposite of what they thought they were going to find. Right. Uh, but they they said that what it has kind of led them to believe is that, you know, people uh, you know, don't want to see themselves as like thieves. And yeah, so you, you would f absolutely feel like you're stealing if you took cash out of a wallet that wasn't yours. Right. Yeah. But it, I wouldn't necessarily feel as compelled if it was an empty wallet or just had some idea or cards in it that it was like, yeah, ah, he'll, he probably knows he lost it. And he probably got all these replaced. I, I wouldn't feel compelled to turn it in. But if it was full of money, of course I would turn it in. Yeah. And most of it, it's, a lot of times it wasn't very much money. On average, they would leave like $13 in it. But oh, wow. $13 really? was wow. enough to compel people to, you know, contact the person who, who evidently lost the wallet. And they, they kept adding more money. The more, the more money in the wallet, the more likely it was to be returned. And they found that generally people are, are pretty honest when it comes to it. They also released the, the data of the 40 countries so you could see which ones were the most honest and which one was the least. Any guess is what the most honest country is, the one that's most likely to return, to return one of these wallets. I would think like a highly religious country, maybe like in Italy or Latin America. I don't know. I don't know. Netherlands. No, that's very close. That's number three. Eddie? Very close. Okay. Uh, 
I don't know what's close to the Netherlands. Let's say Germany, because they're my people. Switzerland. It was actually I Switzerland, Norway, the Netherlands, Denmark, and Sweden were all at wow. the top. So like all the Nordic countries at the very top. That's fascinating. The other thing, they didn't draw this conclusion, but like I, I <laughs> but was you kind did. Of, I will say this, the Nords, the Nordic people are very honest and very tall. Yeah, no, but, uh, you know, some of those cultures, from my understanding, are more all closer to like a socialistic economy than, yeah. you know, like there, there's a lot of social programs in those countries. And very non-religious. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. The, wow. United, the United States actually was right in the middle. Like it wasn't close to the top. It was almost dead in the middle. The least likely was actually China, which it, which that's a non, you know, for the most part, it's a pretty non-religious huh. country. So but we they can't, were the least we can't really. They were the least likely to return it. China. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how that what that expresses culturally about them. Like, because you think it's just like, oh, they're not nice people. But maybe there's some like deep cultural like. Well, it might be something about the economic disparity. I mean, like, yeah. You know, like the Nordic countries are very economically stable, and like he said, so so more social, more socialism minded. Where it's like the yeah. the the others are as important or more important than you. You know, and yeah, then, maybe it's not like as much viewed as stealing as it is like I own what I find. So if I yeah, I, like yeah. It's, they're not taking it from someone; it just exists. Yeah, because does it say what happened to them? Did like did they? Does it see that? Um, they just weren't returned or they can track them that they're in a house. No, no, they didn't like put like, you know, uh, tracking devices on them. So they it just could just be that the Chinese just are, just don't pick them up. Yeah. They, well, no, no, they were. So like how it works, how the experiment worked is like I, if I'm one of the scientists and you had like a bodega or something, I would walk in there and be like, hey, I found this sitting outside the door. At that point, it's the they were tracking whether the employees actually contacted the people uh, who had it, information. So, it. yeah, there's a, ver- a lot of variety of reasons. But it is interesting that for the most part, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, increased value, mm. people globally tend to be more honest. I mean, it's even the case in China, even though they were the least likely to return the wallets, they still, if it had money in them, were actually China was much more likely to return it with money than if it didn't have money. Okay, so uh, that's your little uh, update about human psychology and honesty That's in, in morals. It's very fascinating. Now, mm-hmm. Cameron, you wanted one about a fun trip you can take, and I have <laughs> just the slice Wait, so you. that first one was the one that we were all going to care about, and now we're getting the one that you care about. No, no, this is the one you guys care about. Oh. This is this is wow. a topic that uh, I, I have always, you know, my time at space camp did not compel me to become more interested in this topic, I actually think I'm least I'm less interested having gone to space camp now with all space related stuff, and that's what this is about. Wow. NASA has announced a new plan uh, to start raising some funding that will hopefully allow them to update the International Space Station. Their plan is to start allowing tourism to the International Space Station uh, in the coming year. Uh, so you, they will be able to take qualified astronaut tourists up to the space station and you can stay for as long as 30 days. You can spend a month. Cool. On wow. That. Yeah. So, uh, Eddie, I'm, I'm, I want to hear your, your guess on this. How much do you think it costs per night 
to stay at the International Space Station. Eddie, you're playing the prices right today on the show. (laughs) Question, what's the bed situation like in space? It is is water beds that are very uncomfortable and very leak prone. And I will say this, the Soviet cosmonaut who's on duty right now has a violent temper. And last time one of those things burst, it was hilarious. He's just grabbing little bubbles of water all (laughs) over the space station, trying to flick them out into the ether. Oh my gosh, bubbles of water. Oh no! Jesse, Jesse and I I mean, was that, that your Russian angry voice? Yes. Yeah. Jesse, do you want to do it again? When when we went to space camp, we actually guy <laughs> saw what the space station sleeping arrangement is. Like it's this kind of like stand up like cubby that you have that you have like a, it's a very small space. Wouldn't There's, you feel like you could just sleep? I don't understand it, but like you wouldn't need anything to sleep on. You could just kind of yeah. no. That's what it is. It's just a private space where you can go yeah. and read and rest and, and you stuff just like float that. and sleep. No, no, no. Yeah, you, you just kind of like gently bounce around. No, you strap, you strap yourself, you strap to yourself down. Yeah. yeah. Well, you yeah, sh- not like, you know, like you're, you know, insane or something. Not like that. Yeah. But I mean, it's you're you're huh. in one spot. Yeah. I you're, don't know. OK, so Jesse, you're strapped. You're round, strapped to a big bag of water, basically, essentially. Up there. <laughs> you're just round trip around to with space. a big water balloon. Yeah. No, this is a round trip. This is per night, per night, per, per night. How much um, it all shakes out to. Well, uh, how long of a I'm, trip? Because I'm guessing thirty days, up to thirty days. Well, then you can't go per night. Is, is this the well, same well, price? Yeah, yeah, same price. So if you go up there for five days or you go up there for thirty, it's it, your bill per night's going to be around the same. A hundred thousand. I'm guessing the whole trip is going to be like thirty million. Oh no! I no. think I oh, think ahead, per Andy. night it'll be. I think a hundred thousand is a great guess per night. And you, can you use AAA discount on that? Because I think yeah, that will you get help. some miles. You get some real <laughs> miles in there. No, it's only because like transportation to the International Space Station has become so much more affordable thanks to private companies like SpaceX. Like it's mm-hmm. dramatically less expensive, and that's the main cost is getting up and back. You can go and spend time if you're approved uh, in the next year for just thirty five thousand dollars a night on the Whoa. International Space Station. Yeah. Because, like I said, the, the price of getting up and back is is way less ex, uh, less prohibitive than it used to be. Uh, wait, but wait, wait, Cameron, does that include transportation, or is that just yeah. to stay there? Yeah, that that that's, gets you there. Yeah, that's. Um, let's see. Yep. Are you telling me I could get to space no, and back that's for thirty five thousand dollars? Right. Oh, okay. Okay. Nope. You're right. That doesn't include transportation. <laughs> yeah. You got to figure that out. Uh, you got to sort that out on your own. <laughs> but once you're up there, once you're up once there, you're up there, there all the amenities, 30K a night. life support, communication, uh, you know, not, powdered I'm not spending that amount food. of money to not get like massages and room service. And Okay. It's funny you say that because the Business Insider did a story on this and they interviewed some Russian dude who... He paid thirty million dollars to hang out on the International Space Station because, like, Russia allowed this before NASA did. So this, like, yeah. Russian, you know, billionaire paid thirty million dollars, and they asked him what he thought of the facilities, Annie. Because, like, if you're paying yeah. thirty five thousand dollars a night, you want you want to have a nice, nice experience. Yeah. Yes. This is his quote: "The food is not phenomenal, and the personal h- hygiene facilities are substantially lacking." Yeah, no kidding. What do you think? Of, right. gonna, you know, like I don't see the the appeal of 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 spending this kind of money to be trapped in this. The other thing about space stuff, Cameron, th- I feel like you need to help me speak into this. Why is everything so cramped? 
Like it's literally <laughs> called space. There's all yeah. the space in the world up there. Just, <laughs> just like, what are you getting into? Like they're building this all like an, like on an easement. Where are you? Are you working this for your five hard, minute open mic tomorrow? No, I'm saying. Have you ever seen anything with space? They're basically yeah, you spelunking. And you're yeah, like yes. watching Bruce Willis crawl through ventilation shafts. And they're like, oh no, that's the main hallway. And you're like, that guy can barely squeeze through there. That looks miserable. <laughs> that's the main hallway of this ship. Like, okay. it, space is so yeah. huge. Why yeah. are they? Why are they? compacting everything it makes no yeah, any, sense and anyhow that's my time folks you've been yeah. great <laughs> Good audience. Um, but, jesse. okay jesse i'm reading it, so it is the, nasa is saying for the facilities the life support systems toilet all that stuff food all the stuff you need thirty five thousand dollars a day yeah. but a seat on a spacex flight to the space station is 52 million dollars oh, oh my wow. gosh okay. wait Jesse, you are fake news. $52 million to no get there, to and get then there and it's 30000 a night. Yes. No big deal. Right. No big deal. I'm yeah, like, for like a second, Annie, I'm, I'm like, assuming, I'm going to sell my car. <laughs> I was assuming, you drove a 30000 Well, I guess that is kind of normal, isn't it? I was, I was assuming like, you would. Car. I mean, that plus some old savings bonds for my grandpa and stuff. I mean, I, I could cobble it together. My car is probably worth eight. I mean, I don't know if I could do the full 52 mil, but uh, <laughs> at least I go have these with somebody. Maybe we can sit on my lap on the way up there. I don't know if that's allowed. You know, <laughs> that was a normal thing to say. Jesse, I'm bothered that you didn't think to bring today that the NASA announced they're going to take a woman to the moon. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's the awesome. real I didn't space see news. That is. That's much better news. When is this mm. woman going to the moon? 2024. There's 12, 12 uh, female candidates still in the running and one of them will make it to the moon. And one what? of them is Annie F. Downs. You guys didn't know. I'm here to make an announcement. Vote for me. I want to be the woman who goes to the moon. No, I don't. Does anybody know why we're going back to the moon? That's the I, my I'm not question. saying it's, I'm not, it's not a bad idea. I just am curious. Gonna, what... I'm going to take that to our space expert, Cameron, Cameron F. Strang. Cameron, why are we going back to the moon? I mean, the guys like Elon Musk and others uh, are purport, you know, they're really advocating for Mars and moon having permanent pres- residences there and a presence there because of the inevitability of with climate change and all that kind of stuff that hum- humanity will need to be on another, you know, will need to have a presence outside of just earth. I mean, so that's really why long-term they feel like it's vital for the proliferation of the human species. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, in. In. I'm in, but, but Trump's, cool. Trump's administration is making it a priority because he wanted to have a big, audacious thing kind of like john f kennedy's goal of going to the moon he wanted to have that so that's why he's doing it um but he, the, they so his big audacious moonshot is going to the moon again well but <laughs> but with the goal of a permanent presence there like yeah. s- establishing a moon base okay which would be like different. i i i know we, we don't try to get uh, avoid getting too political but i do have a legitimate question about one of the president's tweets about the moon and space travel Did, oh, i don't know if great. you guys saw this tweet this is mm-hmm. this is from last week yeah, I'm going to read this tweet in its entirety, and I need you guys to help me determine what this means. Okay? okay. For all of the money we are spending, NASA should not be talking about going to the moon. We did that 50 years ago. They should be focused on much bigger things we are doing, including Mars, parentheses, of which the moon is a part, in parentheses. <laughs> and the final sentence just says, defense and science, exclamation point. I think what he was impl- trying to say is that the investment we're making and going back to the moon is actually to develop systems and stuff that will end up taking us to Mars. So like, so like the, the budget the, is a part of the moon program is actually a part of us eventually getting to Mars. I think that's what he's ah, saying. 
Man, I love having a space friend. I like reading this stuff. Like I'm fascinated. I'm not watching you, Cameron. That's my real voice. I love that you know this stuff. But I, I the the tweet was made fun of. But I think he was trying to For say sure. the moon program is a part of the ultimate Mars goal. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. I, well, I think it is awesome that a woman is going to the moon. I just don't know why we even go up there anymore. I mean, we all we all know <laughs> anymore. You make it sound like listen, the waterbed factory. <laughs> I don't know why we go there anymore. I'm just saying we checked it out. Nothing going on up there. It's yeah, just rocks. It, it is it what is we all thought rocks. it was. Just a big old thing of rocks. We drove that cart around. We got it. We did a loop or two. Knocked a couple golf balls. Guess what? It's all rocks up there. Let's American send these flag. astronauts <laughs> to somewhere cool. Yeah. Let's move on. But they went back like eight or nine times. I mean, there was quite a few moon missions in the yeah. 60s and 70s. Yeah, I know. And I, my question is, is like, why? What are we doing up there? Like, I, I've seen the videos. We hop around for a few, get a couple samples, ride that cool little buggy. Yeah. What, a golf why? Ball. What Somebody are we doing up there? Ball. Yeah. Cool. Smacking a golf ball. That I, is well, really cool. I mean, it was research and and, you know, it's like it's it's there. Why? You know, why? Why? Why climb the highest mountain? Yeah, is this thing made of I, I cheese? I have no idea why no. people would do that. Mountain climbing is another dumb thing, and I'm glad you brought it up because I've been meaning to talk about this. Mountain climbing is stupid. He's got a, He definitely has a set this weekend. Oh, this what? is a whole bit. This what? is a whole thing. People climbing mountains, but we have perfectly great flat surfaces I, everywhere. You know? I just, I n- no Keep elevation. I keep workshopping that. You need something as tight as why is the, why is everything so cramped in space? Hey guys, it's what's space. the deal? What's the deal with elevation? Like <laughs> sea level's great. Wait, it's you, you, you don't like climbing mountains? I like climbing mountains. You don't ever think like I, like you don't ever have a goal of a thing like just to challenge yourself and see if if you can do the thing. You've run a you did a triathlon. Why do that? I mean, at the time, I didn't really have a good reason. And I've set up a lot of nights in my water bed thinking about why did I put myself through that? That was dumb. That's dumb. I'm not going to go out there climbing the mountains. I'll tell you that. You know, I mean, I it's just, called space, right? It's called space. There you go. I'm glad I'm glad we have like one of the hottest directors in Hollywood on the pod today to be a part of all this. <laughs> what do you have, Annie? Um, you guys, this one is important for all of us because we are podcasters. So it's important to us because we're on this show. Eddie has a new activist. I have a show. Y'all have multiple shows. There is a study showing that this is from Billboard. Study shows that there is a billboard or Billboard magazine. <laughs> a billboard I saw driving home yeah, from I-75. yesterday in Nashville. It's a it's a billboard advertising just podcast. Yeah. Yes, that's all. It just says podcast. And I said I should podcast tell the guys slice. that there's a billboard that says podcast. Life begins eight weeks. There's a heartbeat after eight weeks and then podcast Podcast. billboard. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, So what the research says, and this was done by iHeart, it was commissioned by iHeart Media, is that podcasts now represent almost 10% of everything millennials are listening to. And it, what it says is that the average for millennials and Gen X, am I the one having a hard time today? Millennials and Gen X, (laughs) Uh, they listen to 2.6 hours or more of podcasts per day. Two and a half hours of podcasts per day. Or one that- half of one relevant podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or they just got through our, water, right. our waterbed bit. That's the other podcast. thing I thought was really interesting about this study is that um, not only is it going up listening to podcasts, but actually it audio is starting to take off more than video and millennials are intaking more 
audio content on a normal day than they are video content or viewing um, because they can do other things like driving, exercising. There are these other things you can do while obviously you guys know I listen to y'all's podcasts. I listen to podcasts in the car as well. And when I'm working out, but it, the other interesting thing. So, and then y'all can all tell me your thoughts is that with bar none, like way above is that, Still, 85% of American consumers each week are reached by radio. Radio is still mm. the most powerful audio tool, but podcasts are really coming up, and especially with 12 to 24-year-olds, so all those teenage podcasts that are out there. But I thought that how was really, did, interesting, that really interesting. How did they fit all of this data on a billboard, and how slowly were you driving? Right now. <laughs> Um, but it also, the, the other interesting thing is it talks about how like a bunch of record labels like Sony, Universal, and Warner are all entering the podcast space by creating unique and specific podcasts from within their uh, companies. I and mean, I just think that's really fascinating. And, Sp- and Spotify bought like Gimlet, Anchor, yeah. you know, and they're getting into it real hard too. Yeah, yeah. Jesse, do you think billboards in space are the same size or are they big as they want? Because, you know, it's space. Yes, I love it. There's a lot of, a lot of, amount of space <laughs> up there. Am I right? Am I right? Hey, if I ever stay at a friend's house, if I ever stay at a friend's house, like I'm a house guest and they have a waterbed, night one, it's, they were like, hey, just make yourself at home. Oh you're at work. Gosh. Just relax. Annie, you know, your, Listen. Your, your slice just no, got trounced. I love it. And in fact, when I send it to Jesse this morning, what the world doesn't know is our is our slices are shoots down the first night. And what did I, I say? And what did I say this morning? And I was like, "This is fascinating." First oh my gosh. try, and then waterbeds. Oh, it just demolished. Oh, it. He I said think it's great. First try, Annie. It's fascinating. Like it, those stats are mind blowing to me. I can't believe it's ten percent. But I do have this funny joke about waterbeds. Wanting to tell. <laughs> so, People are going to tweet so about like, this. People are going to tweet oh, about no. this. Annie, I'm not. I'm not trying to step on it. I'm. I'm saying it was so good. I have nothing else to add. That was fascinating. Now, real quick, Go ahead. Oh, I real think quick. the radio dominance versus podcast thing is um, accessibility. I think because you can get in the car, there's a radio already built in. Yes. Boom. That's I it. Sixty-five percent of cars are tuned into radio. Right. I think as you know, the new generation of cars with the more computery interfaces yep. get obviously more ubiquitous and more you know affordable for mm-hmm. younger buyers and stuff like that. And podcasts are baked into the dashboard experience. I think you'll see a pivot. You know, like that the market share toward podcasts will continue to accelerate. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I just think it's yeah. a convenience factor. Right. I just heard Iyer Glass do a lecture and he was talking about, you know, the pop, and it was about storytelling and the popularity of podcasts. And he said, but the engine for NPR is still if if we're on air, you know, if I, he's like, if I had to choose between, you know, this American life, what is it called? This yeah, American this American life. life. Yeah, yeah, this, this American life, life. Podcast or radio? It's not. It's it. You can't even compare. Yeah, the no, radio audience is yeah, still so dominant. I was yeah. very surprised. I'm I think so it's just ease of access. Have... I mean, it's still like, yeah, well, totally. how do I find that show? Well, you find a station that you like. It's a genre of music, or I'm in the mood for talk, or whatever like that. And it's just like you're interested in that format. The question is going to be how how are podcasts going to be organized for easy access for the consumers. Cause I think yeah. we're like mm-hmm. ingrained in the channel mindset and the station right. mindset. So how will that apply to podcasts down the road? Whoever figures that out is going to be the, the, yeah. the organization steering the ship here, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, yeah. but it's also fun because we're in it here when it's starting to grow. I mean, y'all been in it way longer 
than most people. But, you know, the, all of us have shows that are already going that have a good set of listeners that love what we do and help us be better at it. And it's just fun to be on the front side of something that's growing and we yeah. get to innovate as creators as well, which I'm having the best time with. It, it was like when I, I was at the heyday of the waterbed thing. I was yeah. on that wave, literally. I rode that wave until it popped <laughs> until everywhere. It popped. And made a huge it's, it's an obsession, and he can't do anything. Okay. But talk about this. Yeah. It's like a sickness. It's like he didn't take he didn't take some medicine this morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's what I was gonna say. If you're ever a house guest at someone's house who has a waterbed, and you're like, and they're like, hey, make yourself at home, whatever, and they go to work, <laughs> like wait like an hour and then shoot them a text nine one one. And then the first text is 911. I need to know where your waterbed patch kit is. Don't freak out. Just tell me where it is and I'll make sure this all gets cleaned up. That's what you do. Yeah. That'd be really funny. Right, Annie? Yep. Right? Nailed so, it. Anyhow, podcasts. No, Annie, I think I I think it's right. Like, who will become like the Netflix of podcasting? That's like right. who 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 will make a platform that mer- because right now podcasts. But there is run- no Netflix of radio. Yeah, but 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 because I think people are so used to the interface, right? Like people are are so used to being able to go up and down a dial and yeah. and know how content is delivered because, you know, radio predates television. You know, like what we're so used to just how it works that I think whoever kind of cracks the nut of like there's all this great content out there. It's clunky and difficult to organize. You know, but how can you create programming that merges, um, you know, the the convenience and curation of something like, you know, that that we've seen happen in like some of these streaming on demand platforms with podcasts? Like what will help people cut through the noise and develop a, a more clear entry point for people? You know. All right. That'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Gary Doberman joins us. Ramen noodles on a regular. Add some seasoning and some hot sauce for a better touch. Peanut butter, jelly, and syrup sandwich, etc. And we just flying in the nebula. And it might not be such a bad idea if I never went home. You're listening to YBN Corday featuring Chance the Rapper. The song is Bad Idea. Gary Doberman is a writer and filmmaker whose latest movie, Annabelle Comes Home, hits theaters this week. As one of the masterminds behind the Conjuring universe, uh, Gary has helped create the second biggest horror franchise of all time. He's also the writer of It and It Chapter 2, which releases this fall. Our very own Tyler Huckabee recently spoke with Gary about Annabelle Comes Home and how his faith informs his work in the horror genre. Here is part of Tyler's conversation with Gary Dobberman. Yeah, so I I was interested to talk to Gary Dauberman because I am kind of, uh, I think as we've talked about on this pod before, I'm intrigued by the way the horror genre is kind of elevating, I guess, uh, and has been over the last few years. And what's interesting is how The Conjuring kind of kickstarted a lot of that and has continued to exist throughout it with its its spinoffs and, and franchises. So one thing I want to talk to, to Gary about was what he thinks the appeal of this particular franchise is as part of the horror revival. And I, I really liked how it, that his answer, at least at first, uh, really had to do with the important, the centrality of family. I think it's a huge part of the appeal. It really resonates with me personally, too, as a parent and as a, as a, as a husband. I, I just, 
you know, uh, there, there's so much out there in the world of, of, you know, relationships disintegrating or relationships on the precipice, of, you know, not surviving and how, how are we going to, you know, pull us back from the brink and, you know, in the Warrens, they have a strong, strong foundation as um, husband and wife and as, as mom and dad. And, and I like that that's never the thing that's really in jeopardy at all. Uh, you know, maybe their lives are in jeopardy or whatever, but the relationships themselves at the core of it is not the thing that's in jeopardy. And to me, I find that so refreshing when compared to a lot of the other things that are out, that, that are out there. Um, you know, a relationship like, like theirs does not have to be filled with a lot of internal drama in order to, you know, in order to survive it. It has a, you know, they, their drama happens externally out there in the world with the investigations they are, but internally their drama is, um, you know, is, is, is there, there isn't, there really isn't, isn't any, they, they are, uh, they are a loving and supportive couple and a loving and supportive mom and dad, which I, which, you know, I really, um, admire. Yeah, that is interesting. I do feel like that kind of grounds some of these movies, you yeah. know, uh, because at the end of the day, these are about these relationships, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I, I know it's even based on like a real family and, yeah. You know, obviously these are like spooky ghost stories, but the relational tension really does kind of ground them. And, and I think what he said that is interesting is how the the tension and drama of these movies, like obviously comes from from the the supernatural, the paranormal, but it doesn't come from their own relational tension. Like you never you never doubt their marriage or or their family. Mm. Like these are people who really love and care for each other. And I asked him if he thought that was true to life, and he says it was, as far as he could tell. And, and he knew the couple has passed away now, but but uh, he spoke with their daughter, and he said they were aware that they had a very different life, uh, you know, because of their work, but um, but that they were still just a normal family you know they're a family unit and uh, i asked him a little bit more about what's uh like how, how he incorporated the realness of this family to into the into the movie and he brought up their their faith and how key their faith was for them yeah and i think it's something explored in all, all the movies uh, which again why i think it connects to, to sort of the faith-based audience or, or whatever because it is you know at the end of the day faith and the belief in something and the good beyond ourselves and the good within ourselves is the thing that ultimately vanquishes the evil. And the thing I always like to think about is just, you know, the, you know, if there are demonic and there, you know, if there are demonic entities out there and, 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 and evil, uh, so must there be good. And, um, you know, and I think the, at the end of these movies, the conjuring, you know, these conjuring movies, I think these movies reinforce that, um, not just the evil, but they also reinforce the good and how the good can come from within us and, 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 and in the people we surround ourselves with. Yeah. That it's funny because like, we're kind of in this moment where there are a lot of faith-based movies that are getting like a wider acceptance critically, you know, you got uh, unanimous media, uh, mm-hmm. Steph Curry's company, uh, you know, commercially they're doing pretty well, but it's, what's interesting about these conjuring, like the conjuring universe is faith really is sort of like a, an organic part of the story. I mean, I don't think they're setting out to be like, you know, any kind of like doctrinal or theological statements or anything, mm-hmm. but sure. you know, it's not like faith is, this kind of weird tacked on thing. It's just like, no, this is a natural part of the story. And that's a kind of an interesting approach considering like a lot of movies that faith is an element of the story. It's like the whole point of the movie is just to communicate that where these, I feel like it's more natural. And I, one thing that I was curious about, because I think 
and conversations I've had with other people who were brought up Christian like, like I was, like you or Jesse, uh, is uh, is that these movies that are actually about demonic forces can sometimes be a little bit scarier than like the the It movie. Let's take another Dauberman movie as an example, yeah. um, which is about like a psychotic killer clown or, or something like that, because you're raised to be very afraid of these forces and to avoid them. So it's one thing to see a movie about like a home invasion, which is very unrealistic, but it's another one to watch a movie like this, which was actually for a lot of us. And for many of us still is very much part of the world that we inhabit. And I asked him if he felt like that had helped its, uh, its reception with the faith crowd at all. And, And he was very aware of that. And here's what he had to say about it. Yeah, what helps ground it as well. And these are, and, you know, and the Warrens, you know, you really did go out there and investigate these things. And they really did, you know, and these were some biblical evils and, and you know, and, and, um, and uh, yeah, so I, I think it's, it's, uh, I think that's what helps amplify the fear. And, and, um, and, you know, I, I don't think of, a, I don't think, you know, a little bit of fear is, is, is a bad thing either to, to scare ourselves. And, you know, I mean, there's plenty of, um, you know, there's, there's you, know, you know, I just think they, they, they help us uh, figure out what the good is. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, some, I know like some of the early Conjuring stuff and even stuff in Annabelle are quote unquote, like based on true events or things mm-hmm. like that. But ultimately, you know, like a lot of good horror movies, it, you know, the the story and the fears that they bring forth are, you know, metaphors for, you know, whether it's like a zombie movie, it's like trying to understand, well, who's the real monster here? You know what I right, mean? Right. Like the conscious <laughs> ones or like the undead, like who who's more monstrous at the end of the day, where like approaching these movies more from that kind of metaphorical approach, you know, does show, hey, can a force of good you know, when united by something like a family, overcome seemingly insurmountable evil. It, it is it, an interesting kind of exercise and metaphor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that that's a very common horror trope is that the bad people end up getting punished, right? The yeah. like the jock, the bully. These are the, a lot of times the people who are going to be the the first to go, whereas the, the the final girl, as as it's known, is often the one who shows the most courage or, or the most uh, uh, virtue throughout. And it's kind of a tired trope, but it comes from a very real understanding and a lot of times of uh, the difference between good and evil. And, yeah. uh, and that's what I, I really wanted to, that's what I was interested to hear him talk about is, is what is the ultimate, what does he want people to think about when they leave the movie? Where does he want people to leave with? And I thought his answer, it, it wasn't quite what I expected. Here's what it was. What, one of the things I like about horror is that collective experience, that communal experience uh, of everybody getting in the same room and experiencing the same the same fears, the same terrors, the same laughs, the same humor. So that's kind of what I would love to, for people to experience with this movie is that sense of remembering that they had this collective experience. Because I think there's so much, there's so, you know, we live in a world today where it's, it's you know, so, um, I don't know, singular is the word, but we're watching something on our phone that no one else can see or watching things by ourselves. And I love the idea that I wanted to give somebody, you know, a sense of, um, adventure with this movie, uh, like a ride that, that, that is, um, where the audience and their guests and their laughs become part of that, almost part of the story in a way. Um, and that's something I really hope to achieve with, with this. That dude, that is one thing about going to see like a horror movie in the theater. Like I don't, I, you know, just honestly, I don't see like a ton of horror movies, but 
seen mm. them with a bunch of people who everyone jumps at the same time and everyone yeah, cheers yeah. at the same time. And you yeah, see, yeah. you know, random strangers will like grab each other's arms in the theater because it like brings those kind of real raw human emotion. But it is when you see it with people, it is like a collective experience. That's actually can be kind of fun. Oh, yeah. And I, th- I think like the last movie that I scary movie that I saw in a theater was Us. And, uh, you know, I, I, my good friends, like, don't see me scared very often, right? Like you, (laughs) you don't see me scared all that often. I don't think, I hope not, but, (laughs) but when you're only on print week, (laughs) (laughs) but we're in a scary movie, you, you, the strangers see what you look like when you're, when you're, but you get to be afraid in a very safe context. And I think that does. Uh, bring people together in kind of a fun way. You'll probably never see these people again, but you just went through something and that's kind of fun. Yeah. So I, I'm excited to go through that experience with this movie and excited to see what else. Doberman's got a, a lot coming. He he just wrote it chapter two. Uh, he just finished work on Swamp Thing as well. And now this movie. So he's, he's doing well. That was Gary Doberman. His new film, Annabelle Comes Home, releases this week. Stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback. Amen in Jesus' name, yes, I declare it. Any little seed I receive, I have to share it. Brothers, when they break me down, I can't bear it. But heavy is the head with the crown, I still wear it. You can't hold me down, I still cold. Rain falling down at the bricks, I'm still soaked. Try to put a hole in a ship, we'll build boats. Two birds with one stone, I pull both. Today's episode is brought to you by Not Forsaken. Finding freedom as sons and daughters of a perfect father by best-selling author and pastor, Louis Giglio. In Not Forsaken, Louis points us to a God who is not absent or ambivalent, but is available and affectionate, ready to shower us with his approval and love. When we take hold of this truth, we are not defined by our pasts, but by the love of a perfect father. Christine Kane said, Not Forsaken is both timely and timeless. It will help heal the wounds and fill the deepest longings of a generation. Pick up a copy of Not Forsaken at your local bookstore or at notforsakenbook.com. Life has its lessons. Try to be grateful Count all my blessings, but heavy is the head that wears the crown. You're listening to Stormzy. The song is Crown. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we asked you to tell us your best summer camp stories, basically. That's that's the gist of it. Um, whether it be youth group camp or, you know, a longer term summer camp that you spent the summer away. Uh, you guys hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and you posted on the podcast episode page at RelevantMags.com. There are a lot of stories. Uh, here yeah, are a, lot a few of, y'all went to camp. of our favorites. Yeah. I, a lot of weirdness. There is a lot of weirdness. It, like, I, I don't... I was hesitating about reading this one, but I'm going to. I just like, <laughs> That's never I good. just hate how she worded it. I just hate how it's worded. I get she's like confined to a tweet, but this is Elise. There was a time I was working in a camp kitchen and sliced off a, sliced off a fingertip while cutting up the carrots. Okay, oh, no. here's how I, here's what I don't appreciate about her tweet. Yeah. We never did find that tip. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you say like that? We didn't find that old tip. Never tip. Did. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, we know what happened. It looks just like a carrot. It looks just like a yeah. baby carrot. Thanks, <laughs> We get it. Also, we how fast it. were you chopping and how how did you how could you not find a tip in a pile of carrots? David, just a quickie from David, uh, saw a preacher cut a watermelon that was on someone's stomach. Um, Not a lot of context to any part of this story other than (laughs) that happened and David saw it and that is traumatizing. 
Yeah. Uh, HC said during altar calls at camp worship services, he would discreetly poke himself in the eyes to make himself cry and thereby fit in with the kids up front who were genuinely impacted by the message. Oh, bless his heart. (laughs) Oh, man. What a heartless weirdo. (laughs) I know. I hate that. I'm speaking at a summer camp next week and I'm like, don't do that, anyone. Don't Don't just be there. Yeah. Yeah. Abby has two. It's a twofer, she says. And but the first one I understand, and the second one leaves me vexed. So the first one is my first uh, year at camp. The girl sitting next to me got hit by a rock launched from a water balloon launcher, <laughs> and it broke her jaw, which is like hilarious, and then also deeply like, who's firing rocks from a water balloon. That's like a deadly weapon. That's like, I mean, it's a giant slingshot at that point. It's like yeah. y- you know, like <laughs> yeah. you, you it's David just a killed yeah. David killed the toughest guy ever with a much smaller version of that. Why would you go yeah. around shooting that at a camp? Right. But, but Abby's the second one, and I'm going to need help with this because there's something in quotes here that maybe you all. Will understand but i don't she said at pastor's family camp we spent nights eating candy at the quote candy bar <laughs> we ended up hung over in the morning so what is a candy bar i mean were they just eating candy i guess they just ate that much candy well see yeah. i think it was i think it was the clever name of yeah they called it the candy bars where you would campers would buy their candy but i don't get the ending up hung over in the morning part so either it's like a candy hangover or uh-huh. There was alcohol at the bar. I, I, way, I think Abby, she's inferring. Again. I think she's inferring she ate too much candy. Yeah. But if yeah. I walked into a camp yeah, and yeah. they had and they had like what well, looked like a bar and it would implied it, we inferred it. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, it's you gotta be your inference <laughs> to the implication. Hold on, it's gotta be your bowl. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Oh, it's a candy bar. I got it. Oh, that's pretty clever. No, if I walked into a camp and they had like a bar, they had like I got I get it now. No, if if I walked into a camp and they, if I walked into anywhere, there was a big bar set up with like bar stools, and then they were just like jars of candy out and it said the candy bar, I'd be like, This is lame. I'm gonna have to leave. This is too lame for me to be here. The candy bar. I don't uh, Elise, Elise, who uh, never found that tip, she also said, "Never did find it." <laughs> the camp director's wife also once <laughs> reprimanded me for flirting with her son, and when I apologized, she said, "Go and sin no more." Yikes. Wow! Wow! Yikes! Yikes! Wow. Pastor's forgive, wife, forgive them, fathers. They know not oh. what they do. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, she just didn't want some fingerless girl, you know, sniffing around her son. So. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> My son will not date a girl with that's missing a fingertip. Yeah. <laughs> Jared said one year at church camp, I got a first place medal in ping pong, tetherball, softball throw, and pool belly flop. Surely only Michael <laughs> Phelps can relate to that, to the athletic superiority I felt that year. That is really something, Jared. Bravo. Ryan says, I was a homeschooler in hand me downs on a youth trip to a horse oh, this farm. Sad. <laughs> I just want to stop there. I don't even want to tell the story. I just want to appreciate this sentence. I was a homeschooler in hand-me-downs on a youth trip to a horse farm. That's just Just. a perfect sentence. It is really, (laughs) really every part of it. Uh, He said his buddy gave him Jordans. And of course he wore them to the horse farm to impress a girl. A horse ate an apple and then spit the saliva covered mush onto my right shoe. Oh, that's the. I like this one from Katie. She says, one of my only church summer camp memories is getting caught gambling. We were all first grade girls playing go fish with our hair ties, gel pins and keychains in the middle. It got shut down pretty quickly. That's Mm. adorable. 
More like Mayor Jordans. <laughs> There's not a lot of space up there, huh? For something yes. called space. <laughs> That's the problem. That's the problem. Cameron. Uh, Mayor Jordan. Well, there's a lot more that came from. Go check them out. You guys have had very traumatic summer experiences. We 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 saved the uh, the the more traumatic ones. You can read them yeah. for yourself. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, earlier in the show, Eddie told us the gripping tale of gripping. that one Saturday morning where Dad's waterbed sprung a leak, and it got <laughs> us thinking: What's the funniest thing you've ever seen happen that wasn't really funny to? At the time, you know, like, yeah, it as was, it's happening, not that funny in hindsight, pretty funny. Yeah. So one time when I was in college, I think I told the story years ago, I worked on, I, I, I like had a campus job and I basically to move heavy things. And we got called to a building one time and there was like a, a flatbed or like a box truck had, had just pulled up. And it had like a very large copy machine in the back of the box truck. Great. And already love it. I'm (laughs) already snickering. And and the guy driving the truck is this guy in a suit. Okay. This like, you know, kind of telling the copier story. It's like this smaller guy in a suit. And he's like, he sees us all standing there, but he's not asking for help. And there's no no way to move this copy machine. I'm not going to give my life for a copy machine. This is like, there's no good way. So this man is, he's no way capable of, this copy machine should not be moved alone. But he used like a little, a little jack thing in the back of the truck and he moved the copy machine. It was like on a pallet to like a lift gate. So this (laughs) this gate is supposed to lower the copy machine safely to the ground where he can then pull it off with a pallet jack and move it into the building. So he moves it onto the lift gate and we're all just standing there like, I've got to see this. Like, I have to see this copy machine be lowered safely to the ground. So he hits the button to lower the lift gate, but instead of holding it like one smooth motion, just like to the ground, he like presses it and kind of freaks out and lets go of the button. So just like a it's just enough to tilt the weight of the copy machine. So you see this copy machine, it's got to weigh 500 pounds, starting to tip off the back of the truck. Again, there are 12 able-bodied young college men right there, but none of us are going to are gonna jump no, behind you're, it. You're frozen in the hilarity of it all. <laughs> this guy, he tried 15 different kung fu grips to try to push the copy <laughs> machine back into the back of the trucks. And he's his eyes made eye contact with every single one of us as this copy machine is just teetering on the back of the truck. He ends up grabbing it, trying to use his whole body weight to fling it back into the truck, dives out and lands and does the sweetest barrel roll like action movie barrel roll you've ever seen only to like roll back and see a copy machine slowly tilt and slam on the ground from out of the truck i had uh. there is no greater appliance that you there's you no greater sense of satisfaction of any appliance than seeing a copy machine fall out of a truck <laughs> buttons are flying everywhere there's weird panes of glass you hear breaking it's the perfect appliance to see fall out of the back of the truck whenever i have a bad day i think about that afternoon i got to see that copy machine oh. fall off the back of the truck okay. and it just makes me happy you know so everyone tell us shorter stories than that but like that yeah, exactly. There you go. Oh, you need an example. There you go. So, <laughs> All right. That is unbelievable, Jesse. I don't know how I haven't heard that story before. Oh, oh there's a treasure trove of old uh, ass, uh, Uncle. What is it? Story time with Uncle Jesse. 
from the uh, Kara right. Davis, Adam Smith, that's, Jesse Kara era of the right. podcast. Yeah, like wow. every week, I would just like tee him up so he would tell us another story. <laughs> Jesse, yeah. we still got to figure out who you fell on that time. I know, I know, because the interviews we did for our True Crime Investigative podcast were off to such a hot start. I do right. feel like we need to pick that up at some point. I yeah. know. Yeah. So. All right. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can uh, tell us your longer stories on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Many thanks to Gary Doberman for joining us. His new film, Annabelle Comes Home, is out tomorrow. Uh, and also thanks to Squarespace <laughs> for making the episode possible. Remember, you can go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code. I know it's a tough one. Relevant to save 10% off your first purchase <laughs> of a website. It. It'll never work. Or domain. <laughs> and listen, head over to Relevant Store. Uh, this new uh, waterbed patch kit just Actually, came in. Jesse. And they look fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I, I, while we were doing the show, I literally was adding them to the store. So, yes. Uh, uh, it's, it's done. There it are two-inch vinyl waterbed repair patches, waterbed yeah, patch kits uh, <laughs> available at relevantstore.com yeah. or actually store.relevantmagazine.com. Okay, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Eddie Koffeltz. And I'm Annie F. Downs. We will see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. For listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe it's raining like it was before Oh, no! Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off, my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 